I've known His Grace for over 20 years now, I think, in, in, in many manifestations, and uh, with his current work, not only here at the Abbey, but also with the new province of Alexandria uh, in Egypt and the Horn of Africa, it is a, 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 an incredible connection that we continue to share. And with this place, uh, this wonderful Abbey community, St. Margaret's, uh, and the life of this nation, which really considers this as quite a hub of activity, whether it's Parliament, Judiciary, the Church, and all the other manifestations. It's uh, an incredible honor to be here among you all and to look out and actually see some uh, friends from, from um, many years back and friends I hope we will make today. It's also a time for us to reflect on our journey. We are sojourners through this life. We're all searching. We sometimes think we have found what we need, but then we realize that was just a step along the journey. One thing we have found, and yet we continue to search. And I suppose the one thing we search for, both literally but also spiritually, is life. The overall theme for today is going to be come to me. And there is a beautiful image in our cathedral, and I hope one day we can actually organize uh, a, a group from the Abbey community and from people who are here to come and visit our cathedral. Uh, there's one icon written by a wonderful iconographer who's a, a young member of our community who was even younger when he wrote the icons. He was only 20. And it sits above the royal doors. Traditionally in Coptic Orthodox churches, you will have uh, above the royal doors into the sanctuary an icon of the Last Supper. And usually it's of our Lord Jesus Christ holding the elements. But in his depiction of this icon, it has our Lord at the table surrounded by his disciples with the chalice and the paten on the table, but then with his arms outstretched, welcoming us all to himself. And if we think of the incarnation, the coming of our Lord into the world, the God in flesh, that was really a reciprocal journey of him coming to us so that we could come to him. He didn't wait for us to make the impossible journey because when we fell as humankind, we were unable to go back from whence we had fallen. And so to break down that dividing wall, that separation, to fill that gap, in the words of Saint Athanasius, one of the fathers of our church, he came and took of ours, he took our humanity, he looked like us, lived like us, so that we, could become more like him in being 
those who started to live a more spiritual life and to walk in his footsteps. The beauty of come to me is not that just our Lord was distant waiting for us to approach him, but in the great mystery that is God, where he can be everywhere, but also in a specific place at the same time, where he was indeed in Galilee, in Jerusalem, in Nazareth, and wherever he was yet, God, he came to journey with us. He didn't leave us alone. He became our companion. And unlike the Old Testament, where there was for the people who were journeying through the wilderness, a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire going before them, this time it was not just us following and yet having him walking from within and with us along this journey. And so when our Lord says, come to me, it is not a distant act, but an act of fellowship. He wants us to be with him. He came that he may be our companion along the journey, but become also our resting place at the end of the journey. So in this first section of this reflection, we are looking at our Lord saying, come to me and I will give you life. We all seek that life. We all seek it when we wake up every day. What does life mean to us? How do we live our lives? How do our lives become meaningful? How do they become enriched and enriching? You see, as, as Christians, as people of God, we were never meant to just exist in the world. We were meant to be alive in the world. For the time we are here, throughout this temporal life, this temporal world, this temporal existence, for the time we are here, we are meant to be alive and alive in Him that we may project him into the world, reflect him into the world, be his presence in the world. We're meant to be alive because we are his disciples. Our Lord says that he is the light of the world, but then tells us that we are the light of the world. And the only way that could work is by us reflecting his light into the world. As St. Paul says, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You're not here to see me. St. John the Baptist was very clear. You're not here to see me. I am not the one. There comes one after me who is preferred before me because he was before me. I've just come to prepare the way. And so if we could be that example of life, then the world would be a much better place. The world is so full of darkness and hopelessness, and we'll speak more about that. 
But our being alive in the world, in the way that we must be, we are called to be, means that we are catalysts to a new way of thinking, a new way of existing. Of course, for us, life has probably meant something very different over the past few years. We have all had an awakening. We were along our lives, living as we live. Scriptures say eating and drinking. And yet suddenly, our world was shaken. Who could conceive of a pandemic that would change everybody's evaluation of almost everything? You know, there are some positive outcomes. The fact that this gathering today can be both in-person and online is one of the remnants of a life that we lived for a year or so, in which everything was online, then we transitioned back, thinking, well, we can do both. And yet, with the blessings that came, and there are always blessings along our path, there were challenges. We all evaluated and reevaluated our lives. Was life just the career, the friendships, the families? Well, during that time, we realized it must have been more than that because many careers either went on hold or changed significantly. Relationships changed substantially. And even interaction with families became something that we would yearn for. So there was something more within us that we lived for. And what that was the presence of God in our lives. While we all hear these doomsday, catastrophic um, numbers and assessments of how many worshipping Christians there are in our nation, and we get analysis after analysis of how the church is crumbling and there are less Christians, we know for a fact that during that time, people became closer to their faith. And the church became more manifest and more meaningful. Maybe not in religious gatherings, but in its resilience and its response. Life was in the church because the life of the church was not limited to its walls. Neither was it limited to just immediate interaction. Life was in Him. And in sharing Him, our Lord, with the world, whether it was through online teaching or acts of kindness, support for those who were isolating, food banks, pastoral outreach through a variety of ingenious means, and so on and so forth. Life is in Him. And sometimes we forget that. 
we have the wonderful interaction between our Lord Jesus Christ and Mary and Martha in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 11, where Lazarus dies. Lazarus, the beloved of Christ, dies. When surely, Lord, if you are going to show graciousness and support, show it to the people closest to you, the ones who open their house to you, the ones who follow you and are faithful to you. Both from Martha and Mary, our Lord, when he comes and Lazarus is dead and buried, he receives the same response. Had you been here, my brother would not have died. They thought that life was in human breath. And even when our Lord says to them, your brother will live again, the response is, yes, yes, we know that he will live on the day of resurrection. Us as Christians, yeah, yeah, we know God is in heaven. Yes, yes, we know if we pray, we'll be listened to. Yes, yes, we know, ask and you shall receive. They become almost theoretical, philosophical aspirations that really aren't a reality in our lives. And our Lord reminds her and says, yes, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And we are reminded of that. If we want life, real life, it is in Him. Even if we see ourselves as dead and buried, even if we see that our lives have no longer meaning and we are there shrouded and lying in a tomb, God calling on us and calling us to come forth brings new life into our being. And in responding to him, we find life. We find the same situation when a widow in nine was grieving the death of her only son. Funeral procession comes forth, they're carrying him out. Our Lord is there, and he sees the grieving woman, a grieving mother. She's a widow, and now she has lost her son. He touches the coffin, and the young man arises, and he gives him back to his mother. In our funeral rite, we reciprocate with the community this idea that we read in Scripture, it is not death, but departure. And so even if human physical death is not the end of the road, then surely our own perception of our Spiritual death can never be the end of the road. It means that when we go to him, there is hope and there is life. There is nothing beyond his ability or his power. Although in our human mindset, we think of limitations. 
We're often thinking of what we can't do. We're thinking of barriers we can't cross, walls we can't go through, doors we cannot enter through. And yet in Him is all hope and all life. There are no barriers that cannot be crossed, no doors that cannot be opened, no hopelessness that is beyond His comfort. St. Athanasius says of our Lord that when we are given life in the Spirit, in Him, it is Christ Himself who then lives in us. And I suppose the greatest calling of come to me so I can give you life really means come to me so I can dwell with you and within you, to accompany you, to support you, to love you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to be all the things that you need. I was reflecting with um, some of our clergy this week um, about what it means to ask and you will receive. And I was saying that the verse is clear. The twist, and maybe this is the lawyer in me coming out, is that what you receive is not really designated as what you want. Ask and you will receive. Our Lord wants us to ask. Because he's our Father. God wants to be in our lives. And yet what we will receive will, if we are happy to receive it, the best thing for us. May not be what we want. May not be what we ask for. And this is why every prayer is within the context of this wonderful thing that we say in the Lord's Prayer daily and numerous times a day, your will be done. So, Lord, I come to you because I want life. But you, as my loving Father, as the one who provides for me, as the source of my life, Give me what it is you think is best. Your will be done. I'm just making a wish list. I'm just saying, this is my requirement. This is what I want. This is what I hope for. But I place my life and my trust in you, in your hands. And I want you to give me whatever it is you think is best for me. St. John chapter 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of man, humankind. Life is light. And light in two contexts. It is an internal light, 
and it is an external reflected light. First and foremost, when we ask for life and He gives us light, light exposes things. So in this beautiful church, it exposes the beauty, the magnificence of a place of worship steeped in history and adorned with wonderful means of reflection. Because quite often we think light just exposes the unsightly. Light just exposes the hidden things that we don't want. Light also exposes beauty. We are so preconditioned to revelation being about negativity that we forget that revelation is about the good things. Revelation is about beauty and hope and, and, and love and trust and relationship and life. So the internal light that is given to us in our lives shines on the image and likeness of God within us, the beauty of the heart He has given us, the intricacy of the conscience He has given us, everything that works for us, everything that makes us who we are, and things that we often don't stop to give thanks for. You know, when someone asks you for your telephone number, you stumble for a bit because you don't know it. Because you never called yourself, or at least I hope you don't. Because it's not something I need to know. And it's the same with our internal spiritual workings. We sometimes just don't know what is our own because we don't reflect on ourselves. We reflect on others. We are experts on everyone else's identity and character and life. We are experts on what everyone else does well and does not do well, especially what they don't do well. We are experts on everyone else's virtue and vice, especially vice. And yet we don't dial our own number. We don't look within ourselves to see both the beauty but also that which needs to become beautiful or be removed. And that is the life that He gives us. And once that light shines within us and all of those things become more and more exposed, that light just starts to seep through the cracks. And when it becomes too much to be contained within, it starts to shine outwardly. It's like a lantern with colored glass. A small flame flickers, and you can barely see it because of the richness of the color. The brighter the flame, the more you still See it, but because of it, see the richness of the color. But you see beyond it into the flame. Likewise, with the light and life of God within us. The brighter it shines, the brighter He becomes more manifest and visible to the world. 
People can see us, but then they look through us, beyond us, to the flame that is giving rise to this beauty. One of the most ungracious actions of Scripture was the people of Samaria, Sychar. Our Lord wants to travel through there, needs to travel through there, as the Scripture tells us, meets with the woman at the well, speaks with her, her heart is inflamed, the disciples come, ruin the moment, so she runs off, leaves her water pot, goes to the men of the city and says, come see, come see a man. He may be the Messiah. He told me things about myself. And so, intrigued, inquisitive, curious, they go. And they listen, and they see, and they experience. And then at the end they say, yeah, we believe, not because of what you said, but because of what we saw. Very unkind. But it's okay. Because in the spirit of St. John the Baptist, she would probably say the same thing. I must decrease, he must increase. I didn't call you so you could thank me. I called you so you could see him. And if you've seen him, if you've experienced him, if you know him, if you understand him, then that is fine by me. Because when I understood him, I found new life in him. I was living in the shadows, ostracized, alienated, marginalized, some would say living in shame and in fear. But the minute I experienced him, I asked the questions I couldn't ask before. Which man of you would have answered my theological questions about prayer and about Jerusalem and about our father Jacob and his well? Who would have given me the time of day? But in him I found life and life renewed. And so fine, if you no longer see me, that is absolutely fine by me, as long as you see him, as long as you experience him, and as long as because of your experience of him, you can then proclaim him to others. Because the life we receive from him becomes a life we want to share. It's not something we want to keep to ourselves. Now, this is the beautiful thing about Christian witness. And there are so many manifestations of Christian witness. For some, it is standing on a street corner and preaching and saying, I found the Lord. And some may respond to that. For some, like myself, it was going into a monastic community and praying for the world and expressing that through that life. And people look at that history and that tradition and they are moved by that. Whatever it is, however it is, it is us sharing the life that we receive that allows us to become, as we said at the beginning, that reflection of his light and his life into the world. The world needs life. The world needs light. And it needs it in its best and deepest and purest of expressions.
It needs it in a way that will not be undermined by human interaction. Because often we could also, we do also, become an obstacle to that light. And instead of shining light, and as we're going to speak later, hope, we become an obstacle to people's interaction with Christ or experience of Him. So life is there, and it's for us, for all of us. Our God is not one who thinks just in a partisan way. His thought process, His love, His grace, His gifts are not partial or selective. Just as His cross was an action for the whole world, as was the empty tomb and His resurrection, His gifts to us today are for the whole world. Because in Him is life. And that is the life that we can share. A life that is beyond boundaries and obstacles. A life that is so beautiful that it is sometimes inexpressible. And a life that is given to us to experience and enjoy both here and in His everlasting kingdom. And glory be to God forever.